This is Biz Radio host, Joanna Patrice Haggerty. I am the founder of JPH Creative Biz and soon to launch Art Hero, a workforce development organization. My mission is to support and galvanize artists and creative entrepreneurs because art heals and connects. I believe that by activating creativity, we synthesize change. Come connect with me on Instagram at JPH Creative Biz. Do you know that 70% of women in the United States wear a size 14 or larger? Despite this, many top brands don't carry plus size options. And if they do, they charge premium prices. At More to Love, we believe everybody deserves affordable and fashionable clothing. That is why we carry new and gently used plus size clothing for a fraction of the original price. We are located at 606 New Leicester Highway behind Wynn's Diner beside the Sonnet. This is the Joanna Patrice Haggerty Show, where I invite the most innovative entrepreneurs, artists, and creative business owners to share their experiences, processes, practical tips, and inspirations. Today with me is Jesse Berry. Asheville, North Carolina vocalist Jesse Berry, known for her soulful pipes and contagious enthusiasm on and off the stage, began her music career at the tender age of eight years old. Inspired by the sounds of Aretha Franklin, Steely Dan, Gladys Knight and the Pips, Etta James, Bonnie Raitt, Carol King, Linda Ronstadt, and a variety of music from both her mother and her grandmother's generations, Jessie channels emotions from many of the pioneers of blues, funk, soul, and popular music, and pays homage through her interpretations of their songs. Jessie is often described as an old soul, and audiences are stunned by the huge voice that comes out of her small frame. Popularly known as Skinny Legs from Skinny Legs and All, a band she created when she was a teenager, Jessie had the opportunity to perform at the International Blues Challenge in Memphis, Tennessee, and was the opening act for the Springing the Blues Festival in Jacksonville Beach, Florida. Jessie competed on American Idol in season nine and has made a lasting impact on her hometown, Asheville. Still residing in the beautiful mountains of Western North Carolina, Jessie sings with her blues, funk, and soul group, Jessie Berry and the Jam, and collaborates with many of Asheville's finest musicians on stage and in the studio. When not making music, she has her hands on a variety of projects and is currently working on a new business venture. She enjoys hiking, traveling, dancing, making music with her talented fiance, Jonathan Lloyd, and living life together with their two kitties. <laughs> I brought Jessie on to talk all about music and the creative lifestyle. But first, Jessie, thank you for being here today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and for thinking of me. It's got to be kind of fun. I know you have some special ties to Biz Radio, so it's got to feel a little full circle for you to be back here and recording with me today. Absolutely. I love it. I love Biz Radio. I love all the people there. Yay. And shout out to Matt, my producer, gets to help out. I know he's our champion. Hi, Matt. (laughs) Well, I always love, again, I just started realizing that this is how I started all my episodes, but I always love to start my show with kind of getting into the early years. And it's so funny because your career started in the early years. So we might have to go back like real early. (laughs) You got to really dig out. So tell me, how did you become, you know, in a career and starting to perform at eight years old? What was being a creative like for you before that? Yeah. Um, Well, before that, really, I was just so young that I just I knew I loved music, but I didn't really realize that I 
wanted to have a career in it because I mean, when I'm six, I don't know what juice box I want to have for lunch. Shoot. (laughs) Exactly. exactly. I was just, you know, in school choir and stuff like that. And then, you know, uh, one, one day my, my choir teacher just kind of pulled my mom aside and said, Hey, you know, Jesse has a nice voice, you know? And, and then, you know, soon after that, when I was eight years old, this is my mom's story. She's a very (laughs) amazingly wonderful woman. Um, and she's very eccentric. So she tells the story way better than me. But when I was eight years old, we were riding in the car. It's my mom, my brother and me, and we were listening to Aretha Franklin's greatest hits. And I was singing along, we were all singing along, and she said at one point she just turned down the volume and swore Aretha was in her back seat. (laughs) So that night she actually took my brother and I to a karaoke contest here in Asheville, and I ended up winning uh, first prize, 50 bucks that night, and that's how it all began was singing to karaoke tracks. I mean, you got the limelight early, though, girl, when you get that $50 in your hand. <laughs> you know, back then, that was a, that was a lot of money. It's a huge <laughs> deal for an eight-year-old. And so I guess, was it always singing? Was that always sort of the most creative outlet that you had? Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, my mom actually is a really, really dope artist. And she's, the house I grew up in was just constantly creating. I mean, there were art supplies everywhere. There was music blasting all the time. There was dancing and singing and creating. So I just grew up around that atmosphere. And that's really helpful to be able to be immersed in creativity and to have parents who understand that creativity has industry, right? That you can make a living, you can make money. Um, You know, the person I had last week, her, her family was a little more like, ooh, maybe you should go to school for journalism, not creative writing, you know, and some of those types of things. And so it's it's beautiful you've had that family support to get you to where you are today. Oh, it's huge. It's everything. I remember when I was a kid, my mom really wanted me to sing for my grandmother, and I was so shy. I was mm-hmm. like, you. And um, <laughs> now my grandma and my mom are my, you know, biggest supporters. They're really proud of what I do. And so I'm super blessed that they support what I do. And I really love that you just articulated that you were shy. You know, I was someone who as a kid was always immersed in arts and creativity. And my mom has her stories about me, right? And how I was in my crib, standing up in the mornings, just singing to myself and things. And I was a really introverted kid myself. And I decided that I couldn't actually be on stage. I didn't want that persona and that ability to get out there enough. It was too much for me. But I love that you've been able to find that safe space on stage and that it's a really cathartic outlet for you thanks yeah it's like almost it's almost like yes it is a safe space and I feel really at home when I'm on the stage which is really interesting you know you're you're on a you're on a stage everyone's looking up at you (laughs) in front of all these people but for some reason that's just where I feel really good Well, I think that's because that's where your heart is. And that's why, you know, you are a performing musician. I mean, you do studio work, but really, you can kind of tell the different musicians and where they really feel most lit up. And Mm -hmm. there are just some people and you are absolutely one that clearly people have been able to see most of your life that you being on stage is really what brings you to life. So let's kind of get into skinny legs and kind of just talk about from eight years until kind of now, what has it meant to live creatively and how have you been able to get some of the opportunities you have? Sure. 
Well, after that um, first faithful karaoke night, <laughs> so much. You know, I think people were really, you know, it's a small town, especially small back then. Right. And, um, I think people were really like, wow, this is a little eight year old girl singing Aretha Franklin. Okay. You know, so I think uh, the, the press was really big um, during that time. Mm. And then. Um, Who helped with that stuff? Was that your, your mom? Um, yeah. I mean, it was just me and my mom riding out the whole time. Cool. <laughs> um, but I also had the opportunity to meet Gladys Knight. We were invited to her church and um, I recorded an EP, a little EP when I was eight or nine. Oh it was all karaoke tracks. And one of the songs was Midnight Train to Georgia. And um, one of the people that we often saw at karaoke nights just had a connection and hooked us up with her. Um, and then, and, and I got to, wow. give her, yeah, I got to give her that little EP and she oh gave me a hug and it was really beautiful. Um, and later on in life, I got to give that same EP to Carol King because I did, I feel the earth move on that one. So wow. I have had opportunities. I got to meet Susan Tedeschi and really, I think that these opportunities just come because we have such an incredible community here who really, truly appreciate the arts and what we contribute to it. Mm. Um, also, when I was a kid, another person who was often at karaoke, he just gifted us a karaoke machine. Oh, Yeah, well, I grew up very poor, so we didn't have a whole lot of things. And um, he knew that and he thought that it was important for, for me to have that since my, my career really started singing mm. karaoke tracks. You know, I didn't really have any other way to you know, back myself up. But I think people, the opportunities really came because people were like, wow, you know, a little kid wanting to keep this older music alive and, and doing something really different, you know. And it kind of reminds me a little bit too, I had Ryan Barber on here, and we were talking a lot about sort of the idea that as an artist, you kind of sit in your house, and you maybe make music and, and you're waiting for someone to kind of take you up and whisk you away and give you this creative lifestyle. That's clearly not what you were doing. You were going out, even if it was just karaoke, right? You were out there and performing and singing and putting your name out there and going and supporting other creative arts and industries. And I just think I want to give you credit too. I think it's important to praise Asheville and help them understand that the community is really here for you, but you have to go out and engage with the community for it to work for you. I just think that's an important thing to... <laughs> That. And, you know, a lot of that credit goes to my mom, too. You know, she got a lot of backlash from, you know, people who would see her with her kids in a bar and yeah. you know, basically say, how dare you bring a child to a bar? But it wasn't it wasn't irresponsible. It was actually quite the opposite. She was trying to give us opportunities. <laughs> right. And, and it was driven by your passion. Right. I mean, if your passion was ballet dancing, you wouldn't have been in bars. Right. So it just happened to be that the passion you had was your opportunity right then was the karaoke and these other smaller opportunities that have led to some amazing things. Absolutely. And people, I mean, people really love to see it. You know, I even had the opportunity at that age to sing for like congressmen. <laughs> I literally got paid $200 to sing one, to sing Dr. Feelgood by Aretha Franklin at wow. for congressmen. <laughs> wow. And, and the, the best part about what I think you were able to learn too, like you 
said was the different types of opportunities that are out there. One of the things that creatives, particularly musicians, have a really hard time understanding because it's confusing, first and foremost, is the different industries in music. Again, even live performance has so many different industries, so many different genres. You can be in festival circuits. You can be in local town circuits. You can you know, be a hired gun. You can be in a band. There's just so many iterations that you were able to explore so much of that early on, huh? Yeah, and there's a whole lot of behind-the-scenes business stuff to it mm. that I don't think people... <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> that I don't think people really realize. And yeah, so I did... I, I guess when I was a kid, I had no idea. But looking back on all of that, yeah, I guess I really was getting all kinds of experience that's really helped me as an entrepreneur now. Yeah, yeah. And ooh, girl, I do not hardly ever hear creatives and musicians call themselves entrepreneurs. That just lit me up because that's, that's the work I focus on doing is if you see yourself as an entrepreneur, again, you can start to look at music as an industry, look at visual arts as an industry, see where you fit in, see where you're different, see how to sell yourself, see how to build a brand. And I know those things are terrifying or frustrating sometimes to hear, but you got to learn a system so you can disrupt it and make it work for you, right? <laughs> yeah, if you're a musician that is working full time, then you are an entrepreneur. I mean, there are tons of things that go along with that. There's, like you mentioned, the marketing, but there's booking yourself, there's yeah. scheduling yourself, there's um, money management, which is a huge part of, uh, you know, musician lifestyle. Yeah. Oh, there's all there. I mean, there's so the mental health side is a part of entrepreneurialism. The the new course I've I've launched is is five different buckets of business. And of course, it's admin and your cash flow and all of these other things. But it's also your mindset and how to manage your mental health so that you can be prolonged and sustainable in your career. Oh, yeah. And there's all kinds of mental health challenges that come with being a performer. It's a very vulnerable thing to do. Yeah, it really is. You are putting your heart and your art and your soul kind of out there for scrutiny. And it can be really difficult, can't it? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're really you are really putting yourself out there. And you're especially songwriters. Yeah, who are going on there and, and really like bearing their souls for everybody. And if the crowd doesn't react to it in the way that would feel nourishing to you, then there are all kinds of health, mental health challenges that come along with that. Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about Jesse Berry and the Jam. I know that's been kind of one of the biggest projects you've been doing kind of the last couple of years. Just tell me a little bit about how that's been for you and what performing with a, a group of musicians is like for you. Oh, it's been amazing. Um, I did have my first band when I was a teenager that was skinny legs and all. And, you know, that also was incredible. And there were all kinds of opportunities that came with that. But, you know, Jesse Berry and the Jam is just, whew, it's just next level. <laughs> <laughs> and you know how it all started? It started because of Tressa from Tressa's. Love it. And I, you know, I had gone off to go to school at UNC Chapel Hill. I was very unhappy there. And I came back to Asheville and I had nowhere to live, no job, no money. And I was just like, oh man, I got to figure this out. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> so I ended up 
finding a place to live and starting to go to Warren Wilson College. And um, I just went out to Tressa's because I've been going there since I was like 12 years old. Um, Tressa is a dear friend of mine and um, (laughs) she's given me a lot of opportunity to perform on that stage even when I was not, you know, when I was coming with my mom, you know. And um, so I just started hanging out, you know, going to shows there and just one night at a show, you know, she came up to me and said, hey, um, what are you doing on Thursdays in January? This was in 2015. Wow. Uh, and I said, well, it was in December of 2014. But <laughs> I said, I, said uh, I don't know why. She said, would you like to perform every Thursday in January? And I said, Yes, because I really, really was jonesing to start a new project of my own here um, since Skinny Legs was no longer a band. And so I I had been working with a, an incredible human and incredible musician, Kelly Jones, on guitar. We had just kind of done a couple duo things. But, you know, for Tressa's, it's a nightclub. So we added a bass player and we did a little trio for the first month. And it ended up going really well. <laughs> We started kind of gathering a group of local dancers who really enjoyed the repertoire that we played. And so we added drums uh, in February. And then we ended up having a Thursday night residency for like four years. (laughs) Wow. And that's just amazing, too, because that's just consistent marketing. You're in the Mountain Express listings. You're in the, you know, all of the little things. That's just giving you this consistent name recognition in town and then being able to do all these other gigs, too. That's really amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been so incredible. And, you know, when I was in Skinny Legs, our bass player's father was the manager. Mm. Now that, and not that I didn't do some of those. Sure aspects but not nearly like what I do now Jesse Berry and the Jan has been like just full throttle (laughs) this is my business you know so it's been there I've just become so experienced in a completely different way than when I was growing up through this band yeah and what an amazing opportunity again for you to just learn another side and get into more of those entrepreneurial skills because the more that you have the more long-term successful you can be. And also the more you get to kind of play in some other genres and some other worlds. Because before we jumped on, you were saying you're going to do a couple new things coming up, yeah? Absolutely, yeah. So it's fun to kind of, you know, stretch myself in that way because really I was always a blues, I always called myself a blues singer. Mm -hmm. And through Jesse Berry and the Jam, I've been doing all kinds of, you know, R&B and soul and pop and rock, you know, but, but now I'm starting to stretch myself, you know, even more. And um, my lovely and wonderful and talented fiance lives here in Asheville now. And he is a trombonist, percussionist and a vocalist. And he is his whole world is rock steady reggae. Um, that's his roots. That's his background. And so he is putting on a Lloyd's rock steady review at One World West on the outdoor stage, September 19th. And he has asked me to be on the gig. So I'm going to be 
dipping my toes into the rock steady world, which I've actually never done before. So oh, you're going to crush that. it. But I love that. <laughs> this is a whole new genre for you. Yeah, yeah. And then I've also been asked um, by a local musician um, to be in the cast for a Rocky Horror music show, which I'm super stoked about. I've always loved theater and never... I I was the lead in my fifth grade school play. And other than that, yeah. I've never really gotten to do much, much theater. And although we're not doing the full production and we're just doing the music, there's still all kinds of, you know. Oh, theatrical, music. yeah, yeah expectations. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that. We're going to be doing a teaser set in Pride at Pride Fest um, on September 25th. And then we're planning to do the full music show at Asheville Music Hall on October 22nd. Um, and of course, I guess we're just going to keep on watching what happens with COVID. Yeah, that is barring the the state of the world at that point. We, I think at this point, are slowly starting to understand that that's really just where we are right now. You yep, know? yep, that's our reality. And that's it's okay that we're taking it day by day. Oh my God. So wait, which character are you going to be for, for Rocky Horror? I'm going to be Columbia. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait to see this. And Pride is such an amazing event that we have in this town too. We're so lucky that that event, I feel like, is really um, supported by the local communities. Um, I, it's always just been really well attended and it's really diverse. And, and we're so lucky that, like you said, that this town and this community supports creativity. And that includes supporting the LGBTQ um, community as well. Yeah, yeah. Asheville's Asheville's just the most beautiful and inclusive place. <laughs> oh, well, I love that you're from here and you still say that. That's really lovely to have someone just really still um, really happy with the place that they've seen evolve and change for so long. Thanks. Yeah. Well, we have to wrap up the show, but before we do, can you let the listeners know the best way that they can find more info about you and connect with you? Sure, sure. If you want to know um, what's going on with all of my music ventures, then you can follow me on Facebook, and that's J-E-S-S-E-B-A-R-R-Y, or you can hop on my music gig alert email list I send out um, each time I have a show, and that's my, my name, jessieberrymusic at gmail.com. You can just send an email asking, hey, can you throw me on the, the email list? Um, and if you want to follow Jesse Berry and the Jam, that's just facebook.com slash Jesse Berry and the Jam. Love it. Well, I need to make sure that I'm on that email list. I don't think <laughs> I am. That's so silly because I definitely need a reminder for the Rocky Horror Music Show. And again, thanks so much for being here and for sharing all of your thoughts today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yes, ma'am. And as always, this is the Joanna Patrice Haggerty Show where we share tips and tools of our community's most innovative entrepreneurs, artists, and creative business owners. Thank you so much for tuning in, and please connect by visiting bizradioashville.com or on Instagram at jphcreativebiz with your, with your show suggestions or any questions you may have. And as always, stay creative. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.